Well, we uh, got in last night. There's a, some of us that came in. Some stayed out for the men's retreat. Uh, I think we had a total of 25 men. And um, uh, what a what a powerful, powerful time we had together. And uh, if there are any men that didn't make it or couldn't make it, we pray that you'll make it next time because it was just a, a just a fantastic time we had together. And uh, my great my great longing desire is to see a, a, a renewed passion in the church, um, to see people on fire for God, and to see people uh, excited about being a Christian. Um, so many people call themselves Christians and go to church for many years, and uh, and maybe it becomes old hat, maybe it becomes um, stale. And how many know that it's very easy for uh, for us to lose our fire, lose our enthusiasm? And so what we need to do is we need to take certain steps to to maintain our passion, our excitement, our joy in the Lord. Um, the word passion means devotion, fervor, excitement, enthusiasm, zeal, intense driving, and or overmastering feeling of conviction, ardent affection, a strong liking or desire for something or, or devotion to something. And you have to look around and you got to say, man, I don't know if I've, if I've got that. I don't know if, if we've got that. But one thing we do know is that we want it. We want that passion. We want that excitement, that joy. I was uh, reading a, an interesting article um, from the... Uh, from the Cincinnati uh, Maine newspaper, uh, dated August 5th, 2008. And it says, Ohio preacher, 71, convicted in road rage case. Uh, <laughs> motorist claims he waved a gun at her. Uh, this is the preacher, by the way. This is not someone who just attends the church. It's the preacher. And it goes on to say this. A 71-year-old Cincinnati preacher has been convicted of aggravated menacing after another motorist said he waved a gun and cursed at her. Thomas Howell, Reverend Thomas Howell, could get up to six months in jail on the misdemeanor charge when he's sentenced September 4th. Howell says he has, he was on his way, listen to this, he was on his way to uh, First Commandment Church of the Living God in East Walnut Hills neighborhood when April Evans cut him off on June 23rd. During Monday's trial, Howell testified that he has a gun and permit but denied ever removing the weapon from its holster. Imagine living in a place where people carry guns around with them. Uh, but a Hamilton County Municipal Court judge sided with Evans, April Evans, who said the preacher threatened to shoot her and called her names as their cars chased each other. Now, here's the thing. We, we listen to this and, and we chuckle, we laugh, we shake our heads in amazement. How could this, how could this ever happen? How could this be? How could a preacher who passes a church called the first Commandment Church of the Living God. How could he be doing things like this? How could he be pulling a gun out and threatening somebody because, because she cut him off? Here's the thing, folks. It's very easy to lose your passion. Very easy to lose your conviction, your convictions. It's very easy to become lackadaisical about, about your faith. In fact, it's very easy to start uh, living in the sort of the status quo and just go, go through the motions, just sort of show up for church, uh, sing politely, listen to the sermon politely, 
uh, fight off urges to fall asleep, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, grab a cup of coffee, visit a little bit, and then away you go. What, we, what we're looking for is a deep, deep desire, a hunger, a thirst for more of God that is not just manifested here in the building, but actually out there when you're in your car and when you're traveling to and from church. Folks, I have to ask you the question this morning. What, what is the level of your own spiritual passion? Where are you at spiritually? Are you still on fire? Do you still have a joy? Are you still excited about God? Do you remember when you first became a Christian and you were so passionate you couldn't help but tell everybody you came in contact with? You would go to get gas at the gas station. You got to tell the, the attendant about Jesus. And, and once you're done there, you go to the bay, you go shop, you got to tell the clerks all about Jesus. Wherever you go, whoever you're talking to, you, you go to work, your boss, your, everybody's hearing about Jesus because you're so passionate, on fire, and excited about what God has done in your life. And then some dear saint who's uh, been in the way for 30 years, and uh, I say in the way with a capital W, that is. <laughs> it looks like she's been baptized in lemon juice. She says, yeah, he'll, he'll calm down. He'll settle down. He'll become like the rest of us. God, you know, I don't want us ever to lose that passion, lose that excitement, that joy. And if you've lost that, then I'm, I'm praying that over the next six weeks, you're going to get that back. You're going to get that thrill, that delight, that, that joy back. And here's how we're going to get it back. Let's look at the scripture here this morning. And if you would read this with me, it's Hebrews 11, 6. Let's read it together. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Folks, there's only one way that you and I can be passionate about our walk with God, and that is by living by faith. So what does that mean, Pastor? I'm glad you asked that. I'm going to tell you in just a few moments what it means to live by faith. The only way that you're going to be passionate and excited and thrilled and delighted and turned on to Jesus is if you're living by faith. If you're not living by faith, then I can guarantee you that your spirituality is just about absolutely dead. If you're not living by faith and you've lost the fire, you've lost the excitement, you've lost the thrill, the fire's gone out. Dwight L. Moody said that um, a little bit of faith will bring your soul to heaven. That's true, isn't it? When you became a Christian, all you had to do was believe that Jesus died for you, and, and that was that's your ticket into heaven. But listen to this. Dwight Moody says, but a lot of faith, a little faith will get you to heaven, but a lot of faith will bring heaven to your soul. And here's the thing, folks. How many know you can experience heaven right here on earth? Did you know that? Oh, you might not have, you might, you might not be walking on streets of gold. Far from it. But you can begin to experience the power of God in your life in such a passionate, powerful way that you'll think you're living on heaven. How many have heard the expression, look at him, he's got his head in the clouds. You know what? That's, that's supposed to be a derogatory statement, but I want to live with my head in the clouds. I want to live. So passionate, so on fire for God. It was, it's the early church all over again. These, these disciples were ready to lay down their life, ready to be persecuted as long as they could tell others about Jesus. That's how excited they were. So what does it mean to live by faith? Very simply, it means this. It means I daily do what God says. I daily do what God says, believing 
Believing that because I'm earnestly seeking him, remember that's what it says, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Believing that because I'm earnestly seeking God, he will reward me by responding to my act of faith. You say, well, pastor, what is the act of faith? I'm glad you asked that. We're going to tell you in just a few moments. There are actually seven, seven habits, if you will, seven habits of a disciple. These are seven acts of faith. When you practice these on a daily basis, then your passion is stirred up in your soul. And once again, you find yourself on fire for God. We're going to talk about these acts of faith in just a moment. But let me begin by telling you this. It takes discipline to live this way. How many know that today? It takes discipline to live this passionate life. If you want to contain or maintain that passion and that excitement, that zeal in your life, it takes discipline. For instance, a husband and wife, they get married. On that wedding day, they are passionate. They're coming. I mean, I just did a wedding just uh, last Saturday. Watch the bride come down the aisle and, and watch the look in the groom's, groom's face. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody been to a wedding? You know, you know what I'm talking about. And he's got this massive smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye. I mean, I've seen grooms start crying. And I don't know why exactly. It's because of excitement or what am I getting myself into? I don't know. But anyway, I've seen, I've seen these grooms standing here and they're moved. They're deeply moved, passionate, excited about the fact that the beloved is coming and they're going to get married and they're going to spend a lifetime together. And I've also been in the place where where a couple will come to my office and she's declaring it's all over. And I, I wonder, what has happened from the time they came to this altar where the passion was, was thick to, to coming to my office and there's no passion there whatsoever? What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They were undisciplined in their relationship. They were undisciplined so that the fire went out. I'm going to tell you something. God God refers to our relation to Him uh, using the metaphor of a husband and wife. And if we're going to maintain that passionate relationship with God, that wonderful relationship with God, then it's going to take discipline. You've got to work at it. You've got to work at it if you, want to, if you want to have a great relationship. So here's a few things that we need to know. First of all, it does take time and, and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. That's what Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 7. The Bible says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So we're going to have to be disciplined if we're going to have that passion in our lives. So here's a few things you need to know. First of all, mature and passionate believers are called disciples. Look at that person beside you. They Do they look like a disciple? (laughs) You thought thought a disciple was one of the twelve. I'm telling you, anybody who follows Jesus is a disciple, is is a Christ follower. He's a student. That's what it is. A student of the master. Now, here's the second thing you need to know. I cannot be a disciple without being disciplined. You see, the words are similar. It's because they have the the same root. A disciple is somebody who is disciplined. Disciplined in the way that he or she lives her life. And so here's the thing. You you can't just say, well, I'm a Christ follower because I said a sinner's prayer and that's all I got to do. No, that's that's not what it means to be a disciple. That's the beginning. That's the little bit of faith that takes your soul to heaven. But now, folks, we want to bring heaven to our soul. And so it's going to take discipline. So the third thing you need to know is how can I become a passionate disciple? By developing disciplined habits. That's how we become 
passionate disciples of Christ by developing disciplined habits. In Colossians 3, 9 to 10, it says this, You have put off the old self with its habits and have put on the new self, which God is continually renewing in his own image to bring to you a full knowledge of himself. So, folks, we want to develop some habits in our lives. And let's, let's face it, you show me somebody who's lost their passion, lost their excitement about Christianity, lost their excitement about God, I'm going to show you somebody who's not a disciplined believer, somebody who's not practicing the habits of discipleship. We've got some bookmarks I want to hand out right now. And the reason I'm doing this is because we've got actually seven habits, and usually sermons are only supposed to have about three points. And we got seven this morning. So you're going to need something to help you so that you don't forget it. And I'm going to ask you, if you, if you please, don't, don't read ahead. Just, let's just go through one thing at a time. And uh, this is a little bookmark you can put in your Bible. And you can use this as a guide to pray to help you to stay on track. We want to have uh, believers who are passionate and excited about serving God. Everybody's got one? Anybody not get one? There should be enough there for everybody. Excellent. Everybody up here? Every, oh, you guys got one? Laura, do you have one? Good. Carol, you got one? Good. Good. Okay, we're, we're, here we go. Ready? We're going to look at these habits. Now, first of all, before we go anywhere, let me just say this. A habit is a continuing inclination to do a certain activity acquired through frequent repetition. It's a customary practice. Listen, my friends, these are things that you don't do just once in a while, uh, or just because a pastor does a sermon, a sermon series on this subject, this is what we do on a daily basis if we're going to have a, a deep passion for God. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to worship. We're going to be worshipers. In Exodus 23, 24 to 25, God is speaking to his children, the, the chosen people, the Israelites, and this is what he says. He says, do not bow down before their gods and worship them or follow their practices. Remember, the ch- listen, look at me, folks. The children of Israel are going into the promised land. And God's warning them. He says, when you get to the promised land, guess what you're going to discover? You're going to discover that those people have their own gods. Gods that are not your God. And God's warning them. Listen, you can only worship me. So he says this. You must demolish those other gods, break their sacred stones to pieces, and worship the Lord your God. And his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. Now listen, did you hear that? God says that when we worship him, his blessing would be upon our food and water and that he would take sickness away from us. What's God saying here today? He's saying if you live with your focus on me, if you worship me alone, then your life is going to go well. Your life will be realigned so that you know you know order, and, and things go well for you. Plain and simple as that. Now, here's the thing. Remember I said that we live by faith. So here's the thing. By faith, I worship God, believing that the world will lose its hold on me. Can we say it again? By faith. Let's all say it together. By faith, I worship God, believing that the world will lose its hold on me. By faith I worship God, believing that the world will lose its hold on me. What do I mean by that? Well, here's the thing. In this world, this world has offers us one of two extremes. Are you ready for this? The one extreme is fear and worry. How many know what I'm talking about? All you have to do is turn on your TV to, to CNN or CBC, 
Or if you, like me, get the Time magazine, you just got to open up that magazine and guess what you're going to discover? You're going to discover that the world is coming to an end and we're all in big, big trouble. They're, they're forecasting a 30s-like depression. They're forecasting financial gloom, oil prices soaring, terrorism, unemployment, drug abuse soaring, and on and on it goes. And you listen to all this and it strikes terror and fear in your heart and all you want to do is crawl into a little ball and stay in your house and not move. That's one extreme. The other extreme, the allures of this world, the attractions of this world. The idea that if I get wealth, if I get a brand new bigger house and a brand new bigger car, and if I get jewels and if I get better clothes, that I'm gonna, that's gonna make me happy. So you got fear on one hand, you got the allures on the other hand, and this world just threatens us and kills our spirituality. How do we get it back? I'll tell you how, by worshiping God. Because when you wor- begin to worship God, then suddenly the fears and the worries of this world and all the allures of this world have no control over you. By the way, has anybody, if you look at the word allure, uh, you'll know that the word lure comes from that word. And uh, if you're a fisherman, you know what you do with lures. What do you do with lures if you're a fisherman? You catch fish. Now, they call it a lure for this reason, because when that little thing goes in the water... It wiggles a certain way, it moves a certain way, it catches light and reflects a certain way, and the fish are attracted to it, and they run over and they they bite it, and next thing you know, they're hooked. Folks, that's exactly what happens to us. But when you worship God, suddenly Satan can't get, get a hold of you. He can't get into your heart, he can't get into your mind, he can't get into your soul. And so suddenly, the lures of this world are not a problem for you, and neither are the fears and the worries of this world. And some of us are filled with worries, filled with fears. I'm not going to have enough. I'm losing, I'm losing my, my investments. I'm, I'm going to go broke. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have a roof over my head. Listen, my friends, you start to worship God and you'd find out that God is sovereign. He's in control and you've got nothing to worry about. God is in control. Satan has no power over you. But you've got to worship God. And so by faith you worship God. And God rewards that by loosening you from the, from the hold that this world has on us. When I worship God, my faith and passion always increases. Here's the second thing we need to do, is we need to take time in God's word. Jesus says this, if you continue in my word, let's read it together. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's the thing, by faith... I study the Word of God, believing that God will speak to me and change me. Some of us here this morning, uh, 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 we, we really need the, the, the truth to sink into our hearts to set us free. We're, we're uh, held by old patterns and old habits. And here's the thing. I've been pastoring for 25 years, and I've, I've worked with people that struggled with, with habits and destructive patterns. And, um, you know, when, when I was in Bible school, uh, it, 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 the idea of, 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 of bringing psychology and counseling uh, into the, the pastoral package, so to speak, was just a new thing. It, pastors, never, pastors never did that sort of thing. They did a little bit of counseling, but, but basically you never heard anything about counseling and psychology. 
And here's why. Because these the old preachers, they understood that what people really needed was not to have somebody sit there and listen to them talk and talk and talk and talk ad nauseum about their problems. What they needed was to be set free by the power of God. And so they would preach truth, and truth would set people free. So here's the thing. I'm reading an article uh, from Psychology Today, and this is what they say. It's it's a pretty damning report of, of, of psychology. A major study, Psychology Today reports, a major study shows that psychotherapy doesn't work very well at all. But before you jump to simple conclusions, consider this. When it comes to matters of the mind, drug therapy isn't any more effective. One study concluded that clients who seek help from paraprofessionals, that's people who are not therapists, people who are not trained psychologists, people who seek help from paraprofessionals are more likely to achieve resolution of their problems than those who consult professionals. Isn't that interesting? Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want anybody to go away from here saying, Pastor, the Pastor's telling me to go off my medication. I'm not telling you that. Here's what I'm telling you to do. Here's what I'm telling you to do. What you've got to do, folks, is you've got to get a hold of the Word of God because the Word of God is going to set you free. And you develop that habit of daily reading the Word, and you will find that God will respond to your act of faith by speaking to you because the Word of God is God's way of speaking to you. You say, but pastor, when I read the Bible, nothing happens. I don't, nothing, I don't get anything out of it. Here, here, here's what's got to happen here. This, this is not just one of the books that sits on the shelf at chapters. This is not one of millions of books. This is a special book. Because here's what happens. When you cry out to God and say, God, speak to me through your word, then suddenly God takes his word with his spirit. By his spirit, he speaks to us. And it's a, it's a mysterious thing. I can remember, uh, I, I was, I think, probably nine years old. I went to Red Rock Youth Camp, and my, my counselor happened to be a Gideon. How many remember the Gideons? They would go and hand out little Bibles at grade five. I don't know if they do that anymore. But he had some Gideon Bibles with him, and I asked, I begged him, please, could I have one of his little Bibles? And so he said, well, it's supposed to be for new Christians. And I had already asked Jesus into my heart, but I pleaded for a little New Testament, and he gave it to me. And you know what I did? I read that whole thing. In fact, we went on family vacation, and I sat in the back seat, and I read and read and read. And my dad thought there was something wrong with me. He thought I'd maybe lost my mind, that I was not a normal child. And uh, I, I wasn't. <laughs> but there I was, devouring the Word. I was reading the book of Revelation, and I was getting it. And the only, way I can, only explanation for that, my friends, is that God, by His Spirit, was giving me understanding. And that is exactly what God will do when you begin to devour the Word every day. It's got to become a habit. Now, I'm not telling you that every day is going to be, it's just going to be a, a wow, fireworks experience. But listen to me. By faith, you read daily. By faith, every day you pick up your Bible, you read it. And before long, you'll find that God breaks through and speaks to your heart. Listen to me, folks. When God begins to speak to you through his word, it will develop such a passion, such a hunger, such a desire for the word that you will not be able to leave the house without a copy of the scripture with you. Wherever I go, I've got my Bible with me. And wherever I get a chance, I pick it up and I read it. Folks, that's, that's passion. Now, the third, the third habit is prayer. Listen to what Jesus says in John 15, 17. Let's read it together. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will ask for anything you wish and you shall have it. In this way, you become my disciples. Now listen, friends. 
Jesus taught us to pray as a means of speaking to God the Father. Did you get that? You say, you know, I, I want to have a relationship with God, but I can't see Him. I can't, I can't touch Him. If He, if he would just come and, and, and speak to me in an audible voice. But, but you see, he, he does speak to you. He speaks to you through His Word. And guess what? He invites you to speak to Him. The Word of God is God's way of speaking to us. Prayer is our way of speaking to God. Now listen to me. Jesus taught us how to pray. Taught us how to enter into a relationship with God. Now, it's got to become your passion. Jesus had prolonged times of prayer with the Father. What do we call this, folks, when you talk to somebody and that person talks back? We call it what? Conversation. Folks, this is how you develop a relationship. And this is precisely what God wants to do, wants us to do. He wants us to have a relationship with Him where He talks to us and we talk to Him and then He talks to us and we talk to Him and He talks. You see, that's what's supposed to happen. We've got a number of couples here today. What would happen if... If uh, you didn't talk to your spouse for a month at a time, what would that do to your relationship? And some of you, you haven't talked to God for a month or two or three. And God hasn't spoken to you because you haven't cracked your Bible open. What does that do to your relationship with God? It, 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 it decimates it. It kills it. You've got you to gotta talk to God and God's got to speak to you. You know what? By faith, I pray believing that God will hear and answer my prayer. And I hear people say, you know, I don't, God doesn't answer my prayer. Well, you know, you've got to get in the habit of start talking to God and letting God talk to you. And you will find that God will, in fact, answer your prayer. You know, my first experience in the power of prayer began when I was in Bible college. We had a, a missionary. He's a missionary to uh, South America. And he, you know what he said to us? He was our missions teacher. And um, his name was Annenby, Joseph Annenby. And he stood before a class we were uh, probably our f- uh, second year. And he said this. He said, I want to tell you this. You young people training to go into the ministry, if you don't have a rich relationship with God right now, if you, are, if you haven't got a rich prayer life with God, then uh, God will not be able to use you in the ministry. You, you, will, you will not make it. It will, it will not happen. It was the first time. I've been to Bible school now for a year and a half. The first time anybody said anything to me like that. And I thank God that he told me that because God quickened that to my heart. And I began a a habit, a daily habit of going to the men's prayer chapel in the basement of what is now Horizon College. And I don't know if it's still a little, there's still a little chapel there. No, I think they might use it for storing potatoes. But uh, when I was there, it was the men's prayer chapel. Dennis, you'll remember that. It was a place to go to pray. You know what? There were uh, three. There were four of us that used to go there for prayer. Class of twenty-five. Oh no, thirty. It was thirty of us in our class, and only four of us would daily go to pray. At the end of the school year, guess how many went into the ministry? Four. You think that's an accident? You think that's a coincidence? Absolutely not. But God began to prepare our hearts and prepare us for what what He wanted to do. And I'll never forget when I got the call from Gloria's dad saying that he'd like to hire me to be the youth pastor. I was jumping and I was skipping down the halls at CPC. And out came Mr. Uh, Mr. Schindel, who was the sternest, strictest, seemingly most meanest teacher around. And there I am skipping and jumping down the halls because I got a call to go into the ministry. And you know what he did? He just stood there and he began to laugh. And he said, congratulations, Alan. And it was the first time I ever saw that side of Mr. Schindel. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. 
that skipping and jumping down the hall, that was a, that was a passion. That was excitement. That was joy uh, that God had called me. The God who had called me to go into the ministry now has given me a position, a place to serve. That's the power of prayer. When I went to Charleswood Temple, I began to pray there. Every uh, every chance I got, I was single. I would go over there in the evening. I'd close the doors and I'd go in the in the sanctuary and I'd just walk in circles, praying and crying out to God and asking God to to give fruit from from my labor, and my service. And boy, was it ever thrilling that in those short, what uh, not even quite four years, we had twenty young people go to Bible college. That's the power of prayer. I remember going to Carberry with just a little small handful of people. And I called the people to come and join me for prayer. And Rhonda's Aunt Jean used to get up early and come and join me for prayer at the church and a few others. And we, we saw the congregation quadruple. It just just a matter of months. Folks, that's the power of prayer. And I'm just going to tell you right now, when you begin this habit of prayer, God will reward those who earnestly seek you. He seek him. He will answer your prayer. It may not happen instantaneously, but it will begin to happen. You'll begin to see the pattern of the power of prayer in your life. There's a fourth habit I want to share with you. It's a habit of tithing. In Luke uh, or Deuteronomy 14:23, it says, "The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives." Folks, can I tell you something today? I can ask you to pray, and you you don't flinch. It's like, sure, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. I can ask you to read your Bible. You'll say, yeah, mm-hmm, sure, mm-hmm, that's right, that's a good thing to do. I can ask you to worship God. Yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the minute I ask you to give money, then right away you are having a fit. And all that's all that church ever does is ask for money. I want to tell you something, my friends. Jesus calls money an idol. He calls it the God mammon. And God says you can't worship both God and mammon. You, you're going to love one and hate the other or, or the reverse. And so here's the thing. God's calling you to give. Because when you give, this is what, this is what happens. When you begin, begin to give, it, able, it enables ministry to happen. It enables outreach to happen. It makes possible the proclamation of truth. It makes possible the discipleship of the believers. It makes possible a place to come and worship. It makes it possible for us to send out Rabina and Aldwin to, to India to go and pro- proclaim the gospel so that literally hundreds of thousands hear the truth. That's what happens when you give. And I'm telling you, people who give discover that God always meets their needs. And so here's the thing. When you give by faith, believing that God will meet your needs and keep treasure for you in heaven, because Jesus says that when you, when you give, you lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. How many know that? And I'm going to tell you something, that in heaven there are there is no dip in the stocks. <laughs> there is no dip in your investment. Whatever you give to God, God keeps for you in heaven, and it increases in value. You need to establish that habit of tithing and watch your life be transformed. The fifth habit, really quickly, is, a, is the habit of fellowship. In Acts 5.42, read that with me, please. They met day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. My friends, listen to me. <laughs> the Bible is very clear. And Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 5.33, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You show me somebody who's hanging around with people of bad character, and I'll show you somebody who's becoming just like those people. And this is why it's so important for you and for me to make sure that we spend time with believers with people who have the same values that we have, because then we become transformed. And so here's the thing, folks. By faith, by faith, 
Uh, let's keep going, Scotty. One more time. By faith, let's read it together. By faith, I fellowship regularly with Christ's followers, believing that God will transform me and make me more like Jesus. You know what? <laughs> you can read books on changing yourself. You can, uh, you can listen to, uh, you can get, you can go for hypnosis. <laughs> you can, you can do all kinds of things, but the best, best way to, to change yourself is to hang out with people that you want to be like. It's plain and simple as that. Number six, the sixth habit is a habit of serving. Read that scripture with me. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. And there's another verse there, Scotty. So here it is. Let's read this together. By faith, I serve God and others, believing that my need for significance will be fulfilled. What do I mean by that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, when my grandfather uh, was about 75 years old, it was about that time that he retired from um, the school system. He was a janitor. And uh, once he retired, he, he felt useless. He felt, I, my life has no purpose. What's the point of going on? I... I I, I, I'm just sitting here like a lump. And an amazing thing uh, began to happen. My grandmother started to develop a dementia, and she started forgetting things. And so suddenly my grandfather had a brand new purpose, and it was to care for his beloved wife. And he would wait on her, and, and you know, she'd be cooking potatoes. She'd have potatoes baking in the oven, and she'd have some frying in a frying pan and some boiling on the stove. I mean, literally, that was happening. And Grandpa very lovingly, gently would come in and put things away and, and take care of Grandma, making sure she didn't burn the house down. But for, for many years, he waited on her. It was probably, it was, it was close to 20 years. And then uh, one day my grandmother passed away. Now for 20 years, he'd been serving his wife, caring for her, meeting her needs. She'd say, uh, Perci- her, his name was Percival, he should say, purse, go upstairs and get my purse. <laughs> and, and, and that's what he would do. He'd go up and get whatever she needed. And he'd come back down again and say, purse, where's my hanky? Could you go upstairs and get my hanky? So back upstairs again. And he's, he's got bad knees, arthritic, but he was faithfully serving his wife. There was nothing that she could ask him to do that she, that he wouldn't do for her. And then one day she passed away. And you know what happened to grandpa? Just a few months later, he passed away too. You see, his whole, his whole reason for, for living was to serve. And it literally gave him life. It, it gave him significance. It gave him purpose, a reason to get up in the morning. I'm going to tell you something this morning, folks. That's exactly what God has intended for you and me, to serve. To serve God, to serve each other. To get involved in church and, and, and use our gifts our talents and our skills for the glory of God. Number seven, the seventh habit is evangelism. And Jesus says, you will be my witnesses for me to the very ends of the earth, Acts 1.8. Listen, folks, when you witness to others in faith, believing that the seed that you planted will be used by God to produce fruit, then you are going to see something happen in your life that you have never experienced before. Folks, I want to tell you that nothing will boost your passion and your excitement and your faith and your joy like winning somebody for Jesus. Do you remember the first person you led to Jesus? For me, it was Rodney. You heard me talk about Rodney the other day. 
When I led Rodney to the Lord when we were in grade six, or grade five, I think it was, grade five or six, uh, my life was revolutionized. And I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that this is something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Because now somebody else had what I had. Here's the thing, folks. When you practice these seven habits by faith, you will discover that, in fact, this is the key to brand new passion. It's the key to miracles in your life. It's the key to answers to prayer because they're practicing faith. The Bible is clear that God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You practice these habits in faith, and God is going to come through and do miracles in your life like you've never experienced before. This is for you. It's not just the pastor, not just those who went to Bible school, not just the learned and the scholarly. It's everyone who practices these habits in faith, believing that God will, will reward those who earnestly seek Him. Let's pray. Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name that there would just be a, a great move of Your Spirit in our hearts and lives. We pray, O oh God, that You would give us our... A, a renewed and fresh passion for you as we practice these seven habits. Lord, as we take these little bookmarks with us, may they not just be another paper to fill our Bible, but may they become a, a map, a, a, a guide for passionate Christianity. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's